Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have to wake up every day knowing I'm the reason my mom is dead. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I answer your questions on here. You email me, Granger at, excuse me, podcast at grangersmith.com. I have switched that email. And so if, you, if you've been paying attention and watching the, you know, the last several episodes, I've switched it now. It is podcast at grangersmith.com. You ask me a question and we walk through whatever you want to talk about, whatever, um, Whatever is ailing you, whatever, whatever, whatever you want advice in that you would ask a friend. That's what I want to be for you in this in this podcast as a friend, someone you could sit in the truck with and go, man, I've been kind of wrestling with something, and and I've listened. Maybe I've listened to your podcast for a bunch of times, and I've never asked anything, and now I'm finally I finally have the nerve to ask you this question: What would you do in this situation? You know, sometimes I look back on these episodes and I go, yeah, you know, I don't think I was right about that. But that's not really the point. The point is, what's my, what's my gut reaction to a friend? That's what I want to be to you. Once again, it is podcast at grangersmith.com. The first question says, hey, Granger, uh, just wondering what you would say to a mom considering adding another baby to the family with how scary the world is nowadays. It's me, she says. I'm the mom, LOL. I'm a firm believer in Christ, and I know that kids are a gift from God, but with how scary the world is nowadays and everyone talking about the end of times, it definitely has me on edge and second-guessing it. Any words of advice? And do you believe all kids are saved in the rapture? <laughs> That's a lot of questions. Thanks, Granger, and God bless you and your family. Okay, this question comes from Katie. I, I sure appreciate it, Katie. I, I want to dive in a little bit because um, on a question like this, the first thing that First thing that occurs to me is when you say you're a firm believer in Christ, right? And yet you're you're living fearfully. I, I want to recognize, first of all, that those two things don't go well together. A firm believer in Christ would not be fearful of anything that's happening in this world. 
You shouldn't be. In, in fact, if you had the maximum amount of faith that you could have, the faith that could move mountains, that would also equal zero fear, zero anxiety, total trust. Now, you don't have that, and I don't either. But that's the goal. As, as we're sanctified as Christians, as we move forward, as we grow our faith, as we work it out with fear and trembling, the Bible says, the more we have faith, the more we know who God is as he's represented in Christ, then the less fear we have. It just so happens that I do, I do want to recognize that this kind of fear, it, 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 shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be a thing for you. Um, there are certain things that you could fear and, and I would let you get away with, but this is something I'm not going to let you get away with. Um, fear, first of all, fearing the end of times as a, as a believer is an exciting thing. If you're going, man, all these people talking about the end of times, is that what you said? You said, yeah, everyone talking about the end of times. It definitely has me on edge and second guessing whether or not to have a child. And then, but the sentences before that, you said you're a firm believer in Christ. If you're a firm believer in Christ and you're going, bring it on, come Lord Jesus. That's what the apostles did. That's what they said in the book of Acts and all their letters. They were like, I hope he comes back. I hope he comes back tomorrow. That would be what you're talking about with the end of times. So why don't you say that, Katie? It sounds like you don't trust in what he said, what Jesus said. I'm, I'm not criticizing. I'm just helping push you along. Like you're, you're on the, the plank here and I'm pushing you along going, look. The idea of having a baby in a scary world is not, it's not strange for a mother to think that. I don't blame you. But I do want to encourage you and go, man, this is the time we need babies. This is the time we need babies born in good faith with faithful mothers. What's a world without, without babies with faithful mothers? It's a, that's a horrible world. Do you? Let me ask you a question. Do you just want to have a baby if the world is all nice and pretty and rainbows? Is that what you want? Or do you want to raise a child and go, we're raising child, a child at a time such as this? Do you not think that God is providential on when you have a baby or not? Do you think you did get to decide this? That's another question. I have a lot of questions for you. If we're riding in the truck together, I go, first of all, Oh, do you think you get to decide when a baby comes or when it doesn't? Or is it God that does that? Do you get, do you get to decide when, if a baby comes during good times or bad times, or is it God that does that? Do you get to decide if it is good times or bad times, or does God decide that? Do you get to decide if it's the end of times or not, or does God decide that? And all these questions equal, no, God decides it. God, God is. God is. This is the most powerful two words you could possibly say. God is. And you trust. And you go, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have a baby. And if it, is, if it is the end of times, oh, that's amazing. That's my thought for you. It gets way deeper. I'll leave it at that for, uh, for the time being. Lindsay is it, has, has the next question here. It says, hey, Granger, my mom has drank for as long as I could remember. I'm 27. And I've lost two grandparents to cirrhosis of the liver due to their drinking, um, which were her dad and her stepfather. My husband and I have a seven-year-old son, and I'd love to have for her to have a relationship with him. But the times that I let her watch him overnight have me a bit um, 
have bit me in the behind, she says, because I would get a mother's intuition feeling and showing up at the house and then she'd be passed out drunk. I haven't let him stay there since, and this has been going on for about four years. She begs me to let him stay the night all the time, but when she asks, I could tell that she's been drinking just by her voice over the phone. My husband says that I need to cut ties completely due to how she's treated me because I won't let him stay over there. How would you handle this situation? Uh, I've explained this to her more times than I can count, and I'm at my wit's end. I love your music and your family. I keep bringing God to the people. Okay, Lindsay, I'm sorry you're in this situation. This is a tough one. Um, It's a tough situation, but an easy answer. I'll say that. If this is me, you said, how would I handle this situation? If I went over there, say, say put, the, put myself in this scenario, and this is my mom, and she, I go over there, and she's passed out drunk, and she's watching Lincoln. Okay, that's the last time Lincoln's going over there until she proves and, I, and builds trust with me that she doesn't drink when she's supervising my kids, period, end of story. I don't care if she's my mom, my sister, my wife, my babysitter, I don't care who she is. If she's drinking, she's not responsible enough to watch my child. And she's been passed out drunk while babysitting. She's eliminated from the question. There is no more question anymore. There, hey, hey, mom, you're not watching my kid. You passed out drunk. I love you. I forgive you. But forgiving you doesn't mean I trust you. Trust is earned. And you have not earned my trust, mom. You want to watch my kid? And I hope you do. I hope, I hope one day you build a relationship because I desperately desire my kid to have a relationship with his grandma. I desire that, mom. But as his mother, as his protector, I cannot trust you because I have found you passed out drunk. If you stop drinking, you go to rehab, you go to some kind of treatment facility, and I will support you and love you all the way through that. And now I will not stop loving you because you're my mom. But until you do that and come out sober and collect many, many months of sobriety, then maybe I'll consider my son going to your house under someone else's supervision. After that happens many, many times and probably years put together, I trust you alone with my child after years of earning a trust. Nothing to do with forgiveness, mom. I forgive you and I love you. It doesn't change my love for you. I'm just saying, as a responsible parent, I cannot leave my child here. Done. That's done, Lindsay. Um, you don't need, to, as your husband said, you want, he wants you to cut ties. You don't have to cut ties completely. That's not what this is about. This is about uh, being a responsible parent. You could still talk on the phone. You could still FaceTime. But your parent, your mom, she doesn't get a, an opportunity to watch your kid. That's it. That's it. Thanks for the email and thanks for trusting me with something that's a pretty serious situation. I'm pretty sure that anyone that listens to this would would answer in that same way. Juan has the next question. It says, hey, Granger, uh, I love this podcast. In your wisdom, I have a quick question. I'm a junior in college and I recently met a super cool girl at work who is a senior in high school. I'd love to get to know her more and potentially take her out, depending on how things go. I want to hear your thoughts on age maturity gap. Is this unwise? Does the Bible say anything on it? 
reviewing your question one. Um, you're a junior in high school. She's a senior in high school. Um, so let's say she is 18 at the max and you are, um, so you're, you're 21. Well, that sounds about right. You'd be a senior in college to be 22. So you're three years older, uh, 21 and 18 is not, um, an issue to me. If she's 17, that is an issue. Let's, uh, let's wait a few more months. Um, I love that you're asking the question. If you're not asking the question, it sounds like this. Hey, Granger, I'm, I'm 21. I'm dating a 17-year-old, and she is, uh, she's the love of my life. She has a baby on the way. <laughs> these are how sometimes these questions go. And then it's like, buddy, what do you want me to do for you? This is already, hap this is already happening. So, so I love... One, I love that you're asking the question before this is happening. You're saying, look, I would love to get to know her more and potentially take her out, depending on how things go. And by the way, uh, she's 18 and I'm 21. She's in high school and I'm in college. Hey, man, I, I like that. I like you're asking the question and I don't mind the age, the age gap. No, the Bible doesn't say anything about this. This is, this is uh, where you're going to have to use your own discernment and your own wisdom. Um, and you're going to have to realize that high school and college, these, you're in a different season than she is. You're, you're, you're in a season of independence, and she's in a season of dependence. Most likely, she's living at home. Um, she doesn't know what it's like to have an apartment and pay bills. You do. You're, you're in a di completely different season. So my question is, could you start to get her note to get to know her more now, taking things slowly, recognizing that she has maybe what five months of high school left, and then she's going to graduate, and then she's going to be college age, and she's in now she's in your playbook, right? Now she's in she understands things that you understand a lot more. So uh, let's wait a little bit. If you're asking me one, let's wait just a bit, and um. Keep your eye on the situation. I love that you're asking the question, and I think you're right on the cusp of, of something beautiful. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I really do. Podcast today is brought to you all by Shopify. You know, I first started GrangerSmith.com in the year 2000. Can you believe that? It's been 24 years since I started GrangerSmith.com. It wasn't too long after that when I started selling merchandise. And then not too much longer after that, I needed to sell the merchandise on my website. Now, I just wanted to get my name out there, but coming up with an online store and e-commerce was like the furthest thing from my mind. It's something I just didn't go to school for. I didn't research it. And then fast forward a couple decades... And I'm selling online so easy because I use Shopify. Yeah, Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. All the way from the launch, your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help grow your business. I I don't even know how long Yee Yee has been using Shopify. Let me just say it's a long time. I don't remember the, the time that me and my brothers actually switched over, but I remember that things were a lot easier after that. Whether you're selling scented soap or beef jerky or candles or, or outdoor apparel like Yee Yee, Shopify helps you sell everything everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Shopify's got you covered. It's super easy, too. Sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. I don't have to have a marketing degree in e-commerce to learn how to use Shopify. In fact, I could use it right here on my phone. It's that easy. So if you're thinking about starting e-commerce or selling merchandise of any kind, consider starting with Shopify. If you're already selling e-commerce, consider switching over to Shopify. It powers 10% of all e-commerce in the entire U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allboards, Rothy's, and Brooklinen's, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. It's pretty popular. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Granger, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Granger right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Granger. Let me tell you this. Christmas has now come and gone in 2023. And if you are now thinking, oh man, I didn't get a present for that person. And for whatever reason, it didn't come in time or I didn't get a gift. Let me help you with this. Let me get you a cameo. Go to cameo.com slash Granger Smith. That's me. And I will easily get you a video message to whoever you want me to send it to 
according to what you want me to say. So it's like, hey, Mike, Mike told me that he was late on your present, but don't worry because I'm here to tell you it's all right. Mike's a good dude. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a video message for whatever you want me to say right here on my phone. And then I send it straight to you and then you send it to whoever the recipient is of that late present. It doesn't have to be a Christmas present. It could be birthday. It could be encouragement. It could be a message to you. Whatever it might be, I encourage you to go check out Cameo, C-A-M-E-O dot com slash Granger Smith or download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. And let me send you a video message personalized. Next question comes from Jordan. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Jordan Wilson. I just had my little guy, Granger, actually named after you back in September. My question is this, after having a baby, there are so many people who have things to say about the way you are raising or going to raise your child or children. How should I overcome this fear of feeling like I'm failing my child and not listening to everyone? Uh, as a Christian, I always try to have a listening ear, she says, and I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, but sometimes those opinions that people have to say about me weigh very heavy on my heart. I talk to God about it a lot, and I would love to see an outsider's perspective. Thank you so much for reading my email. You are truly inspiring to me, and I couldn't think of a more godly and truly humble man to name my son after. God bless. Happy holidays. Jordan. All right, Jordan, thank you so much uh, for the email and for trusting me with a good question. Um, let's see, you had a baby back in September. That means you're you're kind of pulling up on five, six months old. September, October, November, December. Yeah, yeah you're, you're sitting about five months old. And um, as you're pregnant, you know, you're probably doing a lot of reading and everyone has something to say about this. Everyone's got, oh, you need to do this and make sure you discipline this way. And, and do you have a bassinet or a sleep sack? Or you, are, are they going to the crib? Are they sleeping in your bed? And, and everyone, are you going to vaccinate? Are you going to do this or that? You know, everyone has got this uh, opinion. And what's, what's beautiful about uh, having a baby and raising a baby is that God God takes the time and spaces it out in the growth of a child and the, the pregnancy itself. So, for instance, you get pregnant. You have nine months-ish to get things together, to, um, to start maybe planning financially. And then after about, what, six months in, you find out the gender— and so then you start picking out colors and, you know, getting the nursery ready. And then about, you know, <clears throat> seven months, you find out more things about specifically about the child, maybe the, the size, the weight, uh, the mental development. So you get a couple months then to make adjustments on what you have. And then the baby comes, right? And then the baby's immobile. It's, it's nursing. It, it, it's just um, completely dependent on you. It's not moving anywhere. So you have, at, at that point, you know, six or seven months to start getting the floor ready for when they're scooting. And then as they start scooting, you have a few more months to start preparing the house for, for um, a walker and some, a, a baby that's pulling up on different furniture and putting their finger in electrical sockets. But you, it's always spaced out 
in a, in a way that you could just stay a little bit ahead. You don't have to learn when you get pregnant, for instance. You don't have to learn how to handle a toddler. And when you have a toddler, you don't have to immediately learn how to deal with a teenager. You just got to stay a little bit ahead and it's spaced out in a beautiful way. And everyone's going to have advice and like, this is how you discipline your, make sure you discipline your child this way. And then slowly but surely, you recognize the personality of your child. And you recognize that, well, that was a good idea to discipline that way. Or that wasn't. My child doesn't respond in that way. And you're getting reps. You try it this way, it didn't work. You try it another way. Now that works. They're sleeping this certain way. Like some people go, hey, this, this new bassinet that moves around and like sings to your child or whatever will save your marriage. People will say it like that. And you could buy it or rent it or borrow it and go, it didn't even work at all. Thanks for your advice. And I'm sure it worked great with you, but all babies are different and it didn't work with me. So the beautiful thing is you're the mother, you're hands-on, you're watching every day. You take advice with a grain of salt. People that know and they've been there and done that, great. Thank you so much for the advice. But I don't have to hear it all because the most important thing I could do is be watching and observing my child and how they interact with the world around them. So don't worry about trying to listen to everything because you just can't possibly apply it all to your own child. It just doesn't work that way. So just relax in the fact that, hey, in a few more months, your little Granger is going to be crawling. And then a few more months after that, Lord willing, he'll be walking and you'll just be observing literally baby steps as it's happening in real time and making adjustments, staying one step ahead. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script— 
It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Next question comes from John. It says, Dear Mr. Smith, my name is John. I'm 17 from Salem, Oregon. A friend of mine suggested your podcast to me and said that, would, that I should email you, so here it is. In the summer of 2022, I was 16. I was in the process of getting my license, and my, my mom was teaching me. During one of our practice drives, we were on a back road, and I took a sharp turn too fast. This caused the car to go through the guardrail and off an embankment. I woke up in the ER three days later and was told I had suffered a severe spinal cord injury, which left me paralyzed from the waist down. I am now in a wheelchair. My mom was killed from the impact. My mom was the most loving, kind, and joyful person in the world, and she didn't deserve to die. I would trade our spots in an instant if it meant that she could have lived. But it isn't that way. And now I have to wake up every day knowing I'm the reason my mom is dead. I'm the reason my little sister won't get to grow up with her mommy. I'm the reason my dad has to work 60 hours a week to cover medical bills, support our family, and raise a kid on his own. My life is a wreck. It's hard to find a reason to get out of bed in the morning, and depression is constant. How do I even start to live again? John, thank you for emailing, brother. Heavy, heavy stuff here. Heavy stuff. We put a timeline together in my head. You're 17. This happened a little over a year ago, the summer of 2022, when you were 16. So I'm, I build the timeline in my head because I want to know how much time has gone by, how much time you've had to, first of all, grieve. Um, and this is a multiple grieving process. Most grieving processes are multi-layered, right? And so you're grieving your mother, you're grieving your legs, the use of your legs. You're grieving the, um, the idea that your sister doesn't have a mother. You're grieving the idea that your father doesn't have his wife and that he's working to pay for medical bills for you. So you're grieving your life you used to have. That's a real thing and, there, and it's not a problem. It's not a wrong thing to, to grieve. Um, we wouldn't think there that here that you only grieved your mother and that's the only thing you're sad about. There's a lot of things that you can rightly be sad about and rightly grieve about. Um, mourning is good. Weeping is good. Grieving is normal. What I don't like in this email is depression, which you say is constant because depression is different than mourning and grieving and weeping and sadness Depression is self-deprivation. Depression is turning the problem past the situation and turning it and aiming it towards yourself. And so then you're, you're essentially decapitating yourself and you're, you're crushing yourself under your own weight. That's what this depression is. Grieving and mourning is working out this this missing the 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 ability to look back on your life that the way it was 
You're working that out of your system. Depression is not that. Depression is, depression is taking that and applying it back into your system and reliving it and living in it and living about it and being it. That's what you're doing. Um, I am, I'm not for a second going to pretend like I know what you're going through. I'm not for a second going to pretend like um, this is a light situation and going to be easy to fix. Not for a second. So don't take anything that I say in that way. Um, but I do understand the guilt of a death because of you. I understand that. I've been through that. Um, in fact, in a couple times, a couple times in my life, um, River and my dad, my mom was visiting me when my dad died of a heart attack. So if she hadn't been with me, she would have been with my dad, probably would have been able to um, quickly diagnose the problem, call 911, and they could have saved him, maybe, and probably. So I understand the idea that you're saying, man, if it wasn't for me, then my mom would still be here. So um, that's normal. <laughs> I hear you. And I'm, I'll sit with you in that and just recognize that that's a real thing you're feeling. Um, and it's, it's valid. And, and you're not alone, right? But then we got to get to the meat of this. We, got to get, we have to get to the heart of this, John. This is, if you hear anything I say, if you've ever heard my podcast, if you ever hear anything I've ever said, uh, hear this, hear this. The world will tell you John, you need to forgive yourself. The world will tell you, John, you're not guilty. It's not your fault. That's what the world will tell you. And they mean it with good intentions and sincerity. And you're going to hear that. And you're going to go, first of all, you're going to go, what does forgiving myself mean? And how do I do that? And then you're going to go, how does the world tell me I'm not guilty? How does that work? How do the mechanics of that practically work? I'm not guilty. I was literally in the car driving. I literally wrecked and my mom died. Who else's fault is it? Is it you're, you're just going to say it's an accident? Well, I was the one driving, not accidentally, intentionally. And then the world's going to say, it's not your fault. And you're going to go, yeah, I don't. I don't know who else's fault it could be. And if mom died just for a freak accident, I think that's a little worse. Because then it means it's meaningless, which the, the heart of what I'm going to tell you, John, is that I don't believe anything is meaningless. And I don't believe in accidents or coincidences at all. There's always a fault. There's always an action and there's always a reason. I want to clear that up first. I want to say that, kind of lay the groundwork, because um, as the world begins to pour over you, and I'm sure they already have, saying it's not your fault, and this is not your, and, and I'm so sorry, you don't blame yourself. I want, to, I want to warn you that to me, that perpetuates the depression because it starts to confuse you into how in the world do you even do that? And then, well, counseling and therapy could walk you through this guilt, 
this guilt and shame. You're shameful. And you got to literally live with this pain and this shame literally in the loss of your legs. Physically, you're, you're, you're living out this shame and this guilt. Right? And so this is where the gospel of Christ comes in. And this is what saved me. Literally saved my life from this kind of depression. Jesus comes into the world. This, the, the beautiful creation that God made. Perfect. Flawless. Humans come in and we ruin it. We reject him. We deny our creator. We try to fix things on our, on our own. And we make, our, our, we make gods of ourselves. We make idols of ourselves and we go, I'm in control. I am in control of my own destiny. I make, I create things. I make my life successful or not. I w I'm the one that set my alarm. I'm the one that goes out there and gets a job. I'm the one that's learning how to walk with prosthetic legs. And, and we reject God at every turn. So God enters creation knowing this, knowing that we have rejected him, that we have abandoned him, that we have lied, cheated, stole, uh, hated, denied everything. And, and our own conscience, as I'm telling you this, if you think you're a good person and you think you deserve heaven because you're a good person, your own conscience right now is giving you away. Because as I say this, you think, yeah, I do have some problems, don't I? I might be, I might think I'm better than my neighbor. I might think I'm better than that guy, but I know I've messed up my fair share. So your conscience uh, is ratting you out right now. Jesus comes in to reconcile sinners to himself, knowing that we could not do it on our own, knowing that God, to be in the presence of God, re would require perfection, and we don't have it. So he comes in to reconcile sinners to himself, to bring people to God, his people. He goes to the cross, and what did we do? We killed him. That's what humans do. God came to reconcile sinners to, back to God, and we kill him, the Son of God. <laughs> That's what we do. That kind of sums up humanity. Three days later, he resurrects from the dead. Proving that God's, God's ultimate sacrifice was accepted through Christ. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will not perish, will have eternal life. Guess what else he says, John? He says, whoever believes in me, I will forgive them of their sins. I will cover their guilt. I will cleanse them. I will make them new. I will give a new heart to them. I will put my perfection on them so that when God the Father looks in judgment on a sinful humanity, he sees Christ's perfection covering that person. So that's, what, that's the offer of the gospel to you, John. The, the, the gospel, unlike the world, says, yes, you are guilty, John. Yeah, you messed up. No, you can't fix it. But believe in me, you trust in me. And the work I did on the cross, Jesus says, what I did for you on the cross, John, is I took your sins upon my body. My perfect body took your, your sins, your wretchedness upon myself. 
And I took that as a sacrifice. So you believe in me and your sins are paid for. You are forgiven. Your guilt, gone, overlooked, clean. You can't forgive yourself. You can't say that you're not guilty, but Jesus can. That's the gospel. I want you to think about what I said and dive into This is your only chance, John. I'm telling you and I'm begging you. This is your only chance. You will not heal from something this tragic. There's no amount of therapy or secular counseling that's going to fix this for you. There is nobody that's going to do some kind of mind trick on you to where you start thinking, I guess, you know what, I, I guess I am pretty good. Don't have my legs anymore. Don't have my mom, but I guess I'm good. That's not going to happen. But Jesus can heal. Jesus can renew your mind. He could renew your heart. He could give you a new purpose. He can make you a new creation so that you have a new purpose and you know that things are happening for a reason, for a purpose. I don't know what that purpose is, John. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're going to speak to people that feel just like you one day, if you're going to become someone that travels around in your wheelchair, in your prosthetic legs, and you go, look, I was where you are, and I could tell you how to get out of this. I could tell you how your guilt could be covered, how your sins can be forgiven. I could tell you how to see your mom again. Those are powerful things, John, and that's the offer of the gospel. You could choose to reject it. You could choose right now to go and, and stay and wallow in your depression and continue to, per, to perpetuate this evil wickedness in your heart saying, I hate myself, I hate my life, I hate everything. Or you could turn from that and turn to Jesus and go, I want, I want you. Jesus, I want you. Cover me. Clean me like Granger said. Forgive me of my guilt. Choose this day, John. When you hear this podcast, choose this day whom you will serve. Jesus or yourself. There is no other way. There is no other way in this kind of situation. Hey, there's no way. There's no other way for anyone listening. But it's just clearer for John in this situation. He is out of options. You, everyone else listening, you have options. None of those options are going to work. But John, it's less, it's, he has less options, and so it's more clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Caleb writes in here saying, Hey, Granger, I have a question about my future. I'm an 18-year-old boy living in a small town in West Virginia. I was planning on moving to Tampa, Florida later this year to go to Bible college, but I don't know exactly what to do within ministry. I have a youth pastor job open to me, but I want to do missionary work. Should I go to Bible college not. Hey, Caleb, appreciate the question, man. Um, let me uh, kind of recap from my own, my own thoughts here. You are uh, 18, small town, West Virginia. I don't know. I don't know what you're asking here, because to me, this seems so obvious. You plan on going to Bible college, but it sounds like there's also a youth pastor job open, but you also want to do missionary work. And I want to know, I'm gonna, if I was with you in the truck and you're asking me this question, I would say, what does not going to Bible college benefit any of this? How does, how does not going to Bible college benefit any of these things for you? Not everyone gets the opportunity to go to Bible college or seminary. Not everyone gets that opportunity. I understand that. But it sounds like you do have the opportunity 
and you're wondering if you should skip it. And I would say this, what if, what if you're saying this, you're saying, man, I want to be a firefighter and I want to do well in firefighting. I want to move up the ladder. You know, one day I want to be the captain of, of my unit. I have an opportunity right now to go or go to a really good fire school and it gives me a really good foundation for firefighting or I can go right into this station over here that's hiring straight out of high school. But I'm not sure, because I have the job, I could just go into the station and start working now. I would say, Caleb, you need tools. If you have an opportunity to go to the fire school, that's going to be your ticket to growing in the station. If you have an opportunity now to go to this Bible college, that's going to bring more fruit to your missionary work. It's going to bring more fruit to your potential youth pastor job, hands down. You just going into it is, is going to hurt your future in this, most likely. And that's just, a, that's not like, it's not like I'm giving you incredible wisdom here. This is just playing the odds. You want more on you want more on your side. You want to swing that pendulum. You want as much weight on the scale as you can to give you strength and a foundation and knowledge as you go into whatever field you want to go into when it comes to ministry. So absolutely take the opportunity to go to Bible college. Um, you could do missionary work while you're in uh, Bible college. I'm doing, I'm in seminary right now and I'm still doing, I did three uh, missionary trips this year while enrolled in seminary, literally while doing seminary, doing seminary on the mission field. <laughs> That's what I did uh, three different times this year. And the youth pastor job, a lot of seminarians I'm working with right now already have pastoral jobs. So you could certainly do both. You could do all three things. You could be in Bible college. You could be a youth pastor and be a missionary, do missionary work, short-term mission stuff, all at the same time. You don't have to. But the one thing I would recommend is doing the, the Bible college. I don't know why uh, you wouldn't do that. So, yeah, that that's an easy one for me, Caleb. Um, thank all you guys for emailing. And I have to say, as we are wrapping up this year. I believe this is the last podcast of 2023 for listening real time. Thank you for listening for so long and for so many episodes. If you're searching for something, and, th and that's the reason you're listening to a podcast, uh, answering people's questions on December 26th, if you're listening um, and you're searching for something, um, remember that Jesus says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So all you searchers out there going, I wonder if there's something more for me. I wonder if there's something more about this life that I, that, that I don't know yet. I wonder if there's something, there's a greater meaning, a greater purpose than just waking up and going to work and, and dating a girl and having a baby. There's got to be more to it than this. I know there's something out there more. I want to say, Jesus said, seek and you will find. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening. And I hope that... Uh, 
I did give you the gospel in this episode, and, and I hope that that matters to you, and I hope you keep coming back. We, we, this is a Tuesday now, but we usually put these out on Monday. If you want to email me, once again, my email is podcast at grangersmith.com. The next time you hear me next year, Lord willing, um, I will not have such a scratchy voice. I apologize. These last few episodes, I have been, um, been, <laughs> I've been rolling. I've been going, blowing and going lately with a lot of stuff. So um, hopefully I get a little bit of rest on this voice. And I love you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.